Hello and welcome to the NCETM's podcast. My name is Gwen Trezida, Communications Manager for the NCETM. In this episode, we're going to shed some light on some of the work going on in Maths Hubs. In particular, professional development available to support teachers in teaching some of the hardest topics at GCSE. I'm going to find out how teachers can get involved in this professional development and why it is different to other CPD you might have done. I'm also going to find out what a teacher signing up might expect. Maths hubs around the country are each facilitating work groups as part of a national collaborative project, or NCP, called Challenging Topics at GCSE. The beauty of these national projects is that the main project team have a national overview of the work and evaluation is done nationally. But each work group is run at a local level operationally and can therefore respond to the specific local needs of teachers and schools in the area. In this podcast, we are first going to hear from Catherine Greenhalge, who is a Maths Hub lead. As part of this role, she is on the coordinating team for the Challenging Topics at GCSE National Project. She can give us a national overview of what's going on. I started by asking her how the National Project began. It's originated from the fact that the exam boards have identified that there are always very similar topics that keep coming up as the topics that uh, children find really difficult when the GCSE exams are happening. So after the examiner's reports have been done, it was really noticeable that there was like, for every exam board, Mm. the same topics were coming up again and again. And it was really clear that teachers and departments needed some help in planning to get these students ready to work on those kind Mm. of topics. So which topics were they? So um, ratio and proportion, proof, (laughs) algebraic and geometric, um, trigonometry, linear simultaneous equations, quadratics and also bearings. And bearings comes up again and again every time. Yeah. And so the Challenging Topics uh, National Project, do you work on all of those? No, what we do is um, each maths hub gets to choose which would be the best of those uh, topics to work on because if you worked on every one, you wouldn't be able to have that absolute focus. So you select one for your maths hub, you might uh, be working on what the regional need is. If you were already involved in the work group last year, you may have covered, say, quadratics, and this year you wanted to do linear simultaneous equations. Um, So once you have identified which of those areas you're going to look at, then it's about developing a toolkit to break down that topic, think about all the things that the students need to be able to access that topic, and look at the immediate needs of students, say, in year 10 and 11... Mm. but also look at what you need to do at Key Stage 3 in order to prepare these students so that they're actually ready for these topics because they are difficult and there's reasons why they are difficult. Yeah. So what you're saying is that a local, a local maths hub work group would be concentrating on one particular topic, yes. but the national project looks at all those that's topics. That's right, yes. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Okay. But if you're, a, if you're a secondary maths teacher, you have to teach all those topics. So how is focusing on one topic going to help you with all the others that you're finding difficult to teach? Because through the way that the work group works, you are going to be equipped with a set of skills in order to be able to do that for any topic that you might come across in the future. Right. So you will be allowed the support of the work group whilst you work on one one topic altogether. And once you have really understood the process of how you look at that particular topic, how you split it into its component parts and its pre prior knowledge that the students need, then you should be equipped, hopefully, 
and developed enough to be able to then say take another topic and see how you could apply those processes or that toolkit to to that new topic so it's it's a wider professional development yeah using one topic as exemplification yeah as yeah it's not a quick fix this however there will be some resources produced that people can share with each other over the course of the year but this work group is about developing people not products so it's about thinking how we can get teachers to really look at all the different areas of maths that they're teaching and how they can equip their students properly mm-hmm. rather than just looking for quick fixes. So if a teacher was to hear this podcast and then hopefully phone up their local maths hub and say, are you running a challenging topics work group? Can I get involved? And they get involved. Let's say they go to the first session. What would they expect? On their first session, they would look at the topic that's been selected and they would work together with other teachers. Hopefully they've come with another teacher from their school because it always works better if two teachers come together from a school because then they can carry on that discussion afterwards and they can go back into their department, do the gap tasks, work with their pupils and, and support each other. Okay. Um, so the whole group would look at the topic that's been selected for them and they would start to think about how to break that down. They would also look at their Key Stage 3 scheme of work, so they'd bring that with them. Okay. And they'd look at how their Key Stage 3 scheme of work prepares their students for that particular topic. And we'd, we'd provide for them uh, like pro formers that they can use in order to be able to carry out that thinking. Um, So things like we'd provide a bit of a flowchart pro forma, but also we'd provide a a progression map that they could use through year 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. Also, we would give these teachers some skills in being able to go back into their department and to, to actually deliver that training within their department. And also they get the opportunity in the first session to actually think about what it is that they think students may have um, blocks and misconceptions with on that topic. And we provide them with some questions that they, in the first place, look at and they anticipate where the problems are going to lie. But then they actually take those questions and they they give them to their own students so that then they can look at that and reflect on, were they right? Or have, have some things come up that completely surprised them? So they are really thinking geographically, locally, right down into their own school, Mm. as well as getting this uh, toolkit. So is that what you referred to a little bit earlier about as the gap task? Yeah, so that would be a gap task. The teacher participants from the school, they'll take part in all these activities in the uh, day one of their work group, and then they would go back into their school and they would carry out these activities with their own department and with their own students looking at what their students respond to and that would be their gap task so when they go back to session two they will bring that information back from their department and be able to start to draw together with the other teachers from the other schools around you know if there were any commonalities between schools with the differences between the students and then start to work on the next phase Right, okay. And it's three sessions over the year, is that right, with the gap tasks in between? There's four sessions over the year. Um, the last session is a is an evaluation session where everybody talks about how it's gone within their own schools. Um, but the first session would be really on the picking apart of that very first 
topic, looking at the key stage three scheme of work. The second session would be about that particular topic and what can we do now and some brilliant mid mid-term planning around that. So combining that with the key stage three work that you're going to do for the long term, what can we do now for our students to give them greater access to these questions? And then session three would be looking at chains of reasoning and how to think through the questions that are a little bit more complex because the most recent information we've had from the exam boards is that it may not actually be these topics it might actually be the way that these topics are put into exam questions and how they're asked mm. and it's often if there's some kind of problem-solving aspect within the question or a, or a reasoning aspect within the question. So we have uh, looked at this and talked with the exam boards and decided that it'd be really important to equip our teachers on, these pro on this programme to be able to go away and really look at chains of reasoning with the students that they work with. Right, that was certainly what I understood when I um, interviewed the exam boards in September. They were talking very much about... Yeah, it being reasoning and problem solving that was the difficulty. Yeah, it really is. It's that like AO2, AO3 bit. And, you know, I think that's got an awful lot to do with the fact that lots of students are really good at um, following procedure and, and carrying out the skills, but it's that deeper thinking that they need to be able to do. And if we don't prepare them for that, then they're going to go into that exam and they are going to find those questions difficult. They won't be able to access them as well as the more straightforward ones. Yeah. So I do think this is a really key part of the, um, of the work group is getting the, getting the students ready for that. Right. Mm. Can you just talk a little bit more about uh, what you mentioned about the... Well, you talked about two teachers going to the work group from each school and talk about... Um, what are you really expecting them to be able to do when they get back to their department? Because um, I understand that's that's part of why this sort of professional development is different to yeah. going on a course that teachers might often do. Yes, it is different to going on a course. Of course, these two teachers are going to get some fantastic development themselves. But in order for us to provide the best diet for students we need to be able to equip all of our teachers and develop all of our teachers in the kind of thinking that goes into the planning around the difficult challenging topics so they would need to get their department signed up in terms of um, going and asking senior leadership team for maybe it only needs to be one departmental session per half term but they would need that yeah. we would really recommend two two-hour slots over a half term and then you could really get down to some serious thinking but it's not about just creating a load of resources this is about really developing both those two teachers in their classroom practice but actually um in in their leadership practice and how they're going to work with others within their department so it has two levels to it and we think that will enable things to be so much more sustainable it's not like oh I've been on a program I've had a lovely time they did me a great lunch I learned a couple of things got some really nice resources I'll use them for a week and then I'll forget about it it's quite the opposite it's like a real commitment to developing the whole department thank you very much thank you Having heard from Catherine and got a picture of the national overview, I was keen to find out about how workgroups function on the ground. So I went to meet a couple of teachers, Lisa and Rosie, leading Challenging Topics workgroups in South Yorkshire. 
Both these teachers are first and foremost classroom practitioners, but they also find time to facilitate work groups of local teachers for the South Yorkshire Maths Hub. I started by asking them to introduce themselves. So my name's Lisa Wilson um, and I work at Penison Grammar School in Barnsley. Uh, before, so I've been here for the last uh, year and a half and I'm the Key Stage 3 coordinator here. Um, and then before that I worked um, at Rotherham, in Rotherham, sorry, at Oakwood High School where Rosie's at now. Um, and I was there for three years and I trained there as well. Um, so yeah, that's me. Yeah, uh, I'm Rosie Kavanagh. I'm currently working at Oakwood High School. Uh, I been there for, this is my second year there. Uh, previous to that, I worked at Maltby Academy, also in Rotherham. Um, and yeah, that's it. Mm. And your role in the maths hub? Yeah, in my role in the maths hub, or yeah. in just in school. No, well, your role in school and then also your role in the maths hub, yeah. Yeah, so my role in school, I'm just a teacher of maths. Okay. But within maths hub, I'm a work group lead. Right. And okay. you're also work yeah, group work group lead. So, so I've been involved uh, with Maths Hub. I think this is my fourth year now. So I started off um, just being part of a work group, and the second year I was asked to run the same work group. Um, and then in the last two years, I've been trying um, different work groups with different topics. So last year, Rosie and I were um, part of a team. We planned their sessions together, and I delivered it in Barnsley, um, and Rosie delivered it in Rotherham, and we had another uh, girl who delivered it in Sheffield as well. Um, so we kind of worked collaboratively, collaboratively together, planning those sessions and, and discussing about how they went, and then delivered them in separate um, areas of South Yorkshire. Right. And you got into being a work group lead through just going on CPD from school? Yeah, yeah, so it was it was my head of department at Oakwood encouraged me to um, be part of the Keto 3 reasoning project that was a few years ago uh, with Maths Hub. Um, and I just went on, uh, like a kind of as an attendee really. Um, I really enjoyed it, got a lot out of it. Um, and subsequently the, um, the Maths Hub lead, he asked me whether I'd be interested in continuing the process next year with, my current, uh, with Oakwood um, and with other schools in uh, Rotherham as well. Um, so I was really interested, for that. and just from there, um, every year I've been involved in one since, right. um, just because it's been really, fa- like, I get a lot out of it, yeah. um, really good opportunity to kind of network with other teachers, other schools, and get an idea of what uh, people are doing across the country, really, mm. uh, for maths and teaching maths. Okay, and how about you, Rosie, how did you become a work group lead? Well, I started working at Oakwood, and again, with the same leader that Lisa had started with. And he obviously had a keen interest in Maths Hubs. I was aware of it because it was part of my old school. And in South Yorkshire, Maths Hubs is quite a large, um, it's quite a large group, I would say. Mm. There's probably more leaders than there are in quite a few of the hubs. Um, and he just said, right, we, we want to keep involved with it. Is this something that you'd be interested in contacting um, Pete Sides, who's the lead for South Yorkshire? And I said, yeah, I definitely would love to do that and to see what it's all about. And we went to the meetings, um, just got involved in it and started planning the sessions and delivering them. I just thought it was really useful. I've really enjoyed it so far. Right. And what is the training to be a work group lead? Um, so initially, we for the first one, we do was it was mainly local meetings, yeah. um, but the the training is national. Um, so you'll you'll go to sessions, which there'll be people from literally all over the country, and they'll kind of guide you through what the sessions should be looking like. It's not prescriptive; they don't tell you exactly how it should be, but they give you a guideline as how the sessions should run, what the kind of questions you should be asking, what you should be getting out of it, and things like that. They give you kind of learning objectives and targets. The main thing that they give you, which helps you guide the session, is the gap task. So you know what you've got to build the session up to. Mm. So you know where you're going to end up. Okay, I will ask you about gap tasks in a minute because our listeners won't necessarily know what they are. Okay. (laughs) Um, But first of all, to say that these uh, massive work groups are 
most work groups are running in most hubs across the country. So although these two are in South Yorkshire, there should be a work group near you that you can get involved in with your local maths hub and there should be a challenging topics work group. Uh, so do contact your local maths hub and find out about them. Right, okay, so let's, um, let's delve down a little bit more into what is a work group and um, we can talk about gap tasks as well. Um, there are a whole raft of work groups uh, that are being run nationally as well as some um, innovation work groups that are running in individual maths hubs. So I want to talk about what a work group is and why it's different to any other sort of CPD that, you might, that, you, that a teacher might go on. Um, I think for me, I see it, it's much more of a collaborative um, session really. It's yeah. about sharing ideas, um, kind of sharing good practice, and it's not necessarily about the work group lead um, delivering something or delivering CPD that everyone listens to. It's just about you know, the yeah. collaborative it's sharing. It's developmental. It is, definitely, yeah. So you'll go into it with a concept or an idea, yeah. um, with you know a basis, and then you will say to the people in the group, it's not that they, you want them to... Come up, come up with ideas and work together to come up yeah. with things to do. It's not necessarily this is how to do it. This is you know the magic answer to get everybody up to the grade they need. And it's just right. This is an idea. We're going to work together and see if it works. It's very yeah. like experimental in yeah, aspect because yeah, yeah. you, you're going to leave and you're not going to expect everybody to say it's amazing because it depends how they've interpreted what you've asked them to do. Right. And like I said, it is people coming up with ideas. Yeah, it's not just here's all the information it's right let's work together and see what we can do yeah. together which is nice because it brings people together and you get an insight about other people's schools which is always nice yeah mm. I think we, we started off doing it this time last year oh no it's September last year mm. and initially I think we were both a bit overwhelmed with yeah. how's this going to go um, but yeah. as soon as we got started we got to the first session we just realised that it was just a fantastic opportunity for teachers to have that space and time to reflect on their teaching practice um, to kind of implement things that we'd introduce them to and then just take it that step further. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of see it as an opportunity for them to reflect. Yeah. And myself as well, you know, um, in my teaching, it's had a big impact in the way that I deliver my lessons, what I do in, in uh, the context of my school as well. Um, so I, it's kind of reflective, isn't it? Yeah, it's thing, really yeah. easy to get in a bit of a rut and make lessons all look exactly the same. And right. it's just nice to talk to other teachers, even aside from the whole content that you've been given from the work group just to speak to them as well it's yeah, nice because yeah. it, it's not just about the delivery it's about working with other schools and you know getting the best practice and the best ideas yeah that, that are not just solely about the content from the from the work group like I said it's just about developing a bit more of a learning community yeah rather yeah. than just you know being isolated in one school yeah. I think quite a lot of the participants like that they like just to meet up as well as yeah. doing the so it's the ongoing it's not just a one-off day that no right so, the, so the what spread is the time over, commitment the spread over the academic year the majority of them are four sessions out yeah. from my experience yeah um yeah so you you commit yourself you try and you try and get people to commit to all four so if they're going to come to the first one, it you know they don't want it to be a one-off. You need to say right, I'm going to attend all of these sessions. So it's a really reflective process. Yeah. Because from the first session, obviously, it's just probably content, and then as of session two, three, and four, part of that session will be looking back to session before it and seeing whether you the things that you trialed worked. Okay. Yeah. And the gap tasks. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, so the gap task basically after each session, um, we send people away with a, an opportunity to try something uh, that we've discussed um, in the context of their teaching. Um, so it might be, um, uh, for example, in last year it was try double number lines in your lessons and come back with evidence of um, like photocopies of work that maybe have got it in or evidence of the slides of when you've incorporated it so we can share that at the beginning of yeah. next session. Um, it's not too time consuming no, for them though. Yeah. They wouldn't necessarily have to bring physical evidence. Yeah, yeah. It might just be, right, this is how it went sometimes, or this year on my work group, I've asked them to write it down mm. um, just so they, they don't lose track depending on when they've trialled it and things like that. So it's not necessarily a massive commitment that they have to make. But the gap tasks, yeah, yeah. they're just given an idea to trial in the future. Yeah. And then just see how it reflects on it. Mm. Okay. So, um, thinking about challenging topic, topics specifically, um, can you talk about what the purpose of that work group is? Um, so, the, the main thing, I mean, we looked a lot at the, initially about quick wins for Year 11s, what we could do to help them uh, prepare for their exams um, and get the best grade possible. Um, and I think as we kind of delved into the work group, we realised that actually a lot of it was about um, focusing on the years before that and thinking about depth and how we can um, secure students' knowledge of and understanding of different topics um, from like kind of right back to basics. So we focused on ratio and proportion yeah. in South Yorkshire. Um, so we spent a lot of the first session thinking about how we could um, get Year 11s on board with ratio and proportion, what we could do to help them improve um, and quick wins with them. But then we very quickly moved on to realising that actually it's it's about Key Stage 3 and, mm. and um, securing that knowledge and having that depth. Yeah. Um, so we looked a lot at double number lines, mm. uh, bar models, and what we can do to help facilitate that learning in the classroom. Yeah, we looked at like can images you, and things like that. Can well. you explain about double number lines and how they work? Yeah. Do you want to have yeah. Without a picture. Yeah, it's quite, I was just about to say, it's quite difficult without an image. We can always image. put a picture on the website if, yeah. if that would help. But yeah, if you can It's just a way that. for students, it's kind of just a way for them to set out the working out. Mm. But it's a slightly more logical because it's on a number line. So it might be a conversion for example right. they might write the conversion down and then it's if they had to work out how many of another quantity using that conversion it's just so they make a logical step and it makes their answers like more sensible I suppose mm. so for example if you said you know two pounds was so many euros and then if you said well four pounds if they got an answer that was smaller it would have made sense because it's on a number line so it okay. should be going up or down mm -hmm. in order yeah um, and it's just really clear a really clear way of setting out the work so i've got a picture now of a number line with pounds on it and a number line with euros yes. on next to each other yes exactly so that you can read off yeah. yeah so they're just like parallel to each other okay mm. yeah yeah okay and what was the other topic that you mentioned Oh, uh, we just bar modelling. Oh, bar modelling, yeah. yeah. So we, I mean, um, the other thing as well with uh, following double number lines, um, I um, kind of, we've incorporated it in our department in terms of thinking about um, equivalence. So we've looked, we've kind of extended a bit further and think about, okay, how could we use the concept of double number lines um, for equivalent ratios and how we could apply that for different topics in maths. So we've just completely rewritten the scheme work in year seven and to incorporate a module on the use of double number lines and equivalents um, in various areas topics so like things like best buys um, exchange rates recipes um, percentages there's loads of different ways that you can mm -hmm. apply it to the mass curriculum um, but bar modeling as well in that it's just a fantastic way of a visual representation of, of students understanding what they're doing and um, when they're splitting an amount into a ratio 
what, why are they adding the two numbers in the ratio together and then why are they dividing £100 by that number? It just gives them a, a really good understanding of, of what they're doing with each um, procedural step. Um, so, I mean, I've we've both used bar models before, haven't mm-hmm. we? Um, yeah, definitely. And the schools that we were involved with last year, some of them have seen it before, some of them hadn't. I actually got involved with it through going to a mass obsession right. that was run. Obviously, it wasn't challenging topics at GCSE, but that's how I found out about bar modelling, essentially. Yeah, um, but we, we explored a lot of that last year, just about how we could use bar models to um, to answer GCSE questions, how we could get um, year 11s to engage with it, to be able to understand what was going on in ratio mm. questions, but also how to um, to help with the depth, um, like kind of with early years as well, uh, with ratio. We did also look in the work groups at graphing stories yeah, as well, yeah. and there was another app, I can't remember the name of it, um, um, maybe it was a web, was it on Jojo? I can't remember. It might have been on Jojo. It might have yeah. been on Jojo. Um, and it essentially, so it's, it was a mainly about real life graphs, so that's what we started off with, and obviously mm. real life graphs can go into like conversions and ratio and proportion, and it blended into that eventually. Um, but we started off by looking at that and asked people to trial using the graphing stories and the GeoGebra graphs. Yeah. And it just made students think more deeply about a real-life graph. Because I think it's difficult for them to actually connect a real-life graph to a car or a person yeah. or whatever it is that you're describing on that graph. And it was a graph, but at the same time it told, it showed you with an image, a moving image at the side, what had happened. And they were really, really hot mm. on us trying to push students to say why. So they would, have, would give them an image. and It started off by the graph, uh, the moving graph, but they wanted us to do it with everything. Yeah. And they would say, give five reasons, you know, or tell me five things about this graph, and it had to be five, and you had, they had to give a reason why, and some, you know, it, it just made them think more extensively instead of just saying, right, what do we think do we know? And that's one thing that they say. So they had to think really deeply about it, and they had to think about the journey, and I've used that quite a lot, and that's part of our department lessons now. Um, and I just think it was really useful. And it's also really engaging. I yeah. found students loved it. Like, they loved watching the car, like one of them they had to crash into another car and then an ambulance came and saved them do you know what I mean and they had to interpret the story of the graph mm. and it was just really really interesting because they, they lose that connection to real life right it sounds to me as well as working with these teachers from other schools that mm. both of you have done some work with your department yes, on what you've definitely. learned from the challenging topics so is that part of the construct of the work group or was that just something you chose to do a bit of both I think mm. so Part of the work group is, and you do say to the members of your work group, um, <clears throat> that you want them to take it back to the department if possible, if they're in that position to do so, um, and you know, s- spread the ideas that you think have been successful. Um, but then on the flip side, I just wanted to do that because I think if I've got something, if I, if I know something that's good practice and it's really worked for me, mm. then I would want to share that so that we're, you know, supporting students more broadly mm. and teachers. Yeah, I, I think it's just, it's probably a testament to the kind of the, the content and the, the ideas that we've been given with MathSub is that we do want to share them within our departments. Yeah, yeah. And we want to share that with our colleagues because we can see the impact of it. We can see... Um, I think, you know, I was talking about our year seven scheme of work. I shared it with some of the members of the department and they, they loved it. They loved the idea of the double normal lines. And so straight away it was something that we thought about how could we incorporate this into our scheme of work. 
Um, and it's just kind of baby steps with it, isn't it? It's not necessarily no. changing everything, no, but no, it's just no. saying, um, how can we introduce this, yeah. introduce this to our classroom mm. and into our uh, teaching and what can we do to help other people in our department with it as well? I think the essential thing is that the things that give, the things that Math Hubs suggest, like the ideas, whichever group that you attend, they are not huge. They're not changes that are going to change your entire scheme of work or every lesson needs to be affected. They're little things, subtle things that teachers can do that aren't time consuming, yeah. that you can input into your lessons gradually. It's not a massive change overnight that you're going to have to scrap every resource that you've ever been given. It's, you know, it's small things that you can do mm. to support students. Yeah, I think this is also testament to your departments being the sort of departments that encourage that sort of sharing. Um, and I'm wondering if you've got um, department structures that allow that to happen or whether it just happens sort of ad hoc in the, in the maths office. Mm. Yeah, I think ours is quite natural. So yeah. I would just maybe say oh this is a good idea or some some of my members of the department also attend my meetings right. which is really helpful because mm. when you've got a few people that thought it was successful they're also willing to spread the word which is nice because they do say try and get two people from per yeah. school which is difficult and it's not always the case but if more than one person comes to the work group then you have a little bit more sway in the department if you both thought it was really successful mm. and um, someone to talk about yeah it's easy well. to compare to talk, talk yeah and egg each other on and yeah say oh i've tried this and whatnot you should do mm. it mm. I think when I first started being enrolled in MATUB I would agree in some respect I think I it impacted my teaching practice but I'm aware that I probably didn't share a lot of the ideas that I had and that was partly to do with where I was at in my, in my career and a bit nervous about sharing ideas but kind of over time you get used to sharing mm. that practice and the first MATUB I went with, uh, went on I went with another colleague and it was really helpful for me to be able to share those ideas like you said and um kind of um, have that opportunity to discuss it with someone um, and that kind of allowed for those discussions to flow more easily within the department um, but I think even even if I wasn't sharing it with the department I still think it was worthwhile um, because it, it does impact on my practice mm. and having led work groups even now I'm learning new things every time I go um, yeah. yeah I completely agree yeah. I was going to ask you about activities for challenging topics but it's sounding more like concepts that you brought back and applied to different Topic yeah. areas, is yeah. I mean, the graphing stories was an activity, I would yeah. say, yeah. Um, that they wanted you to try. But then, like I said, the whole the whole um, work group was very sort of developmental. So yeah. it did become more like a concept, and we came up with ideas together, or we came up with how we could use the idea, like a double number line, for example. We were like, right, how could we apply this? Um, Especially, like, it's easy to apply with conversions, yeah. but what we looked at in ours was how we could um, apply it to um, higher proportion. So with, like, K and alpha, so when it got more complicated, and mm. that's what we, try, we tried to imp- implement. But we did that together. So it was, yeah, it's, it's like you're given a concept and then you mm. develop it through your work group, which is nice. We also, um, I'm not sure we mentioned at the beginning of each, I think probably two or three of the sessions, we started off at looking at GCSE questions. Right. Um, and from MATUP, they gave us a lot of um, feedback back from the exam boards about uh, what questions were answered really well um, in the GCSE uh, for AQA at Excel. Um, and I think we had some for OCR as well. Yeah, I think um, So awesome. all exam boards, and they gave us kind of statistics about um, what questions worked really well. So that was 
kind of the remit about why we chose ratio and proportion, it was one of the topics that exam boards said were answered poorly, and there was things like bearings, trigonometry. There were a few t- areas. Exam. That's it, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So there were different topics that were used across the country, and they were all topics that the exam board had highlighted. So we spent a lot of time looking at exam questions and saying, right, students really struggled with this. Why did they struggle with it? What are the prerequisites for these questions? Um, what can we do to help support students with these in the future? And a lot of our discussions flowed from that, yeah, really. I agree. Um, so it's interesting that you started with GCSE questions, but you ended up feeling that you that the influence needed to be more in case yeah. history. Yeah. It, was, it was really split, like Lisa said. Because like, it, it is split. Half of you thinking, right, I need to get my year 11s where they need to be in in six months and then the other half of you as well actually I don't want to be in this position in four years when my year sevens have got to year 11 yeah um I want to make sure that they you know don't need a panic sort of charge mm. to make them get to, to the end um but yeah so that's why it was it was both so it was yeah. like right how can they tackle this question what can we teach them now to tackle it immediately and then think actually what can we do so we're not in this position when when our year sevens are in year 11 right, long-term thinking yeah, yeah. <clears throat> okay, um, I, I'd, I'd like to ask you a bit now about your own personal careers mm-hmm. and this is obviously something that you're doing outside your sort of main job and um, where you see that fitting into your career and, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Do you want to start, Lisa? Yeah, so um, when I started doing Matab uh, leading, in fact actually before that, I, um, I went for a TLR role at my previous school, I didn't get it, um, and it was that following year I was involved in leading a Matab group um, and I, for me, I would say leading that was a massive influence in um, me getting my current TLR uh, role because I had so much more to talk about in my interview. Um, I had more confidence in um, the practice that I was sharing. I had uh, more confidence in my own teaching. So for me, uh, being involved in Matab and leading a, a Matab work group uh, was a, a kind of a, had a massive impact on my uh, professional development and personal development as well. Um, and so I found that really useful. Um, I think... Um, yeah, so it's been really impactful in kind of uh, in my career. Um, it's probably in terms of my, me going up a level. That mm-hmm. is, yeah, I'm not. I've only done it one year, and but in terms of my experience, is huge. Like I, I feel like now I've got like a repertoire of skills that I could use, yeah. and I, my confidence in delivery is is increased massively. I feel now if I were to go for a role. I, I don't know why I wouldn't get it because the experience that it gives you in leading, supporting yeah. other adults is massive. I think your first jump into getting a TLR is huge because you've gone from directing children mm. to directing adults, <laughs> but it gives you that bridge. So you, you go from, because it's in such a pleasant way, it's, it, everybody wants to be there, everybody yeah. you know is supportive and working together, but you are still leading adults. Mm. So it does give you that nice stepping stone into going into a, an environment where you you are having to instruct other people and coming up with ideas you you know it it makes you better at coming up with ideas new ideas because you're constantly trying to think of new things to share and um but yeah like it's definitely supported me I think so like I said not just necessarily moving up the ladder but just as an individual and as a math teacher and I know after running it the way that I'm regarded in the department has massively changed I'm now essentially in the department. My main focus is teaching and learning. And if someone has a question for that, I'm the person they're going to come to mm. because they now know that that's my focus. Right. Um, yeah. So. So that's that's something I'm quite interested in. Actually, is this providing a 
career pathway for teachers that are committed to classroom practice rather than climbing the management ladder because I'm aware that there's a lot of great teachers who are doing great things in the classroom who then get promoted into management and they're not in the classroom yeah, very much. Yeah, and so yeah. is this a way that those teachers can stay classroom focused yeah, but maybe so. develop their repertoire a bit? Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. I think like I've learnt so much through it, uh, to being part of a, a work group and also leading a work group. Um, I think there's so many opportunities to develop uh, professionally and that you're, you're kind of leading other schools, you're leading your, your people in your department as well. Um, so it does give you that opportunity. I've, I know for both of us, we've both got real passions for teaching and learning. We really mm. enjoy that. And it, like you said, you know, I don't want to be taken away from the classroom as much. You know, I think sometimes I look at SLT roles and I, I'm nervous about it because I, for me, my passion is teaching. I love being in the classroom. Um, and so this gives you that opportunity to do that. Um, we've kind of run our uh, Mass Hub as Twilights, but I know across the country, some people do them um, as kind of half days. Um, but just try to get as many people on board as possible, really. Um, but I've really enjoyed being in that kind of environment and learning new things and being able to apply it straight away into my, my teaching. Um, I agree. Yeah. And, and, and that's another question, actually. Where on earth do you find the time? You know, you're both busy full-time teachers with full t- timetables, presumably. Where do you find the time to, to well, do this extra? initially, it was quite a nice development <coughs> for me and probably for you as well. Yeah. So the first one, the first session that you ran, I would imagine... Well, it's the session that I'm running now. Um, it was it's very quite prescriptive, so it tells you kind of what you need to do and how each session should run. Um, but last year, when we I had to do the first one I'd ever done again, like we said, it was quite developmental. They give you a concept and you have to go with it. But because we worked together, it was yeah. really nice. So we could plan it together. We could be like, how did yours go? <laughs> uh, what went well? I'll do that on mine. You know, if I hadn't yeah. ran the session yet, and vice versa. And you came to my session as well, didn't yeah, you? Initially? I yeah, I did. Yeah, because I'd never ran one before, so I went and watched Lisa deliver hers before I did mine, which was really useful because I'd never done that before. Um, and then so this year when we're not doing the same one and we have to plan it completely on our own um, I had all the experience from last year so I knew what didn't go well and what did go well and what I need to make sure I include and things like that so like I said it was like a stepping stone it it made me more efficient at planning it it is time consuming Mm. but there are only four sessions so it isn't you know like a weekly thing that you have to make and like I said, after the first one, it is about part of that session is about discussion. So as long as you know how to structure it and how to get people to talk and think, reflect, then the actual planning of that section isn't as big. It, it does it does become more natural, doesn't yeah. it? After your first one, you think, right, well, the content's in there. I am going to have to plan content for the other ones. But it is easier to plan. Yeah. Because you actually get to know your work group as well. You actually yeah. get to know the people. And they're emailing you and speaking to you and things like that. So you don't feel as uncomfortable. So what would you say about, to a teacher who's thinking of getting involved in, and signing up for a work group but just feels like they haven't got time? And where are they going to find this time? I think that the actual time commitment isn't actually huge because the ideas that they give you, the whole purpose of, especially the one that I'm doing now and the one that we did last year, so I'm sure it's the same for the majority of the work groups, they don't give you a massive amount of work to do. All they ask you to do is trial a concept which is usually very quick to make or input into lessons. It might even be a way of questioning. So it's not even necessarily something that you have to make as a resource. 
they might provide you with a resource prior to it and like I said it's just it's they are quick concepts that they ask you to trial so I wouldn't say it's something that is going to take out a massive amount of your time the only time is actually attending sessions mm. yeah. and there's only four of them and if you're going to one that's all day it gets you out of school to meet other teachers and hopefully if you've got that if your school will allow you to do that that in itself is just a lovely experience just meeting with other other professionals mm. yeah yeah, I would say kind of my first ex- uh, couple of experiences, I was I got SLT on board massively that I wanted to engage with it and they really supported me with that, um, encouraged me to attend. So it's easy to to kind of get cover for those days. Um, we currently run our work groups as Twilights, mm. uh, but for me that's still 100% worth it because I, I think what you gain out of it and the opportunity, almost time to reflect upon your teaching and the uh, things that you gain out of it is totally worth attending. And being part of that work group, um, I've got a lot out of it and um, much more than the kind of the time that I've invested into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, I think it's really worth it. I know it it can feel a little bit crazy when you're in teaching and getting that time, but um, I would say it's definitely worth yeah. it. If you've got um, your head of department and your SLT on board with you attending, that makes a big difference. Right, um, yeah. But I think kind of, um, I know there's... I don't, I don't know anyone that would regret it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just think, like I said, the, the actual commitment of between the sessions that you have to trial things. Yeah. It's not a huge commitment, I don't yeah, think. Yeah. Right. It's just small things. Because, yeah. like I said to you before, they don't want to scrap everything you've got and rewrite everything. Yeah. It's just little things to input in lessons that will hopefully make long-term differences. Yeah. Mm. And if, you know, as we're teachers, we, we care about our students, we want to do well by them. Uh, so I think a lot of it is about doing the best for them and uh, producing them with lessons and, and delivering lessons that are going to be uh, more impactful for them so they can learn more. Um, so I think ultimately it's about changing our practice so that um, like our lessons are, are just fantastic, that engage students and it commit, means that they can make the most progress possible. Um, and that's really kind of the everything behind it, really, isn't it? It's yeah. just it's improving your teaching. Um, so part of me thinks, you know, why wouldn't you yeah, want to? Yeah, I agree. I think you've convinced the teachers now. <laughs> now I'm going to ask you about um, if it's teachers that want to come, but the senior leaders are saying, no, I need you in front of your 11s that day. I know you're running your sessions as Twilights, but yeah. I know some places in the country they're running them in school time. What would you say to a senior leader who's dithering about whether they can really release this teacher that day? I just try and explain the benefits of it. I'd have to say this is a long-term benefit. Yeah. You can attend the session once, as in what over one academic year, and you will not need to go to that session again because it will be, be essentially very similar the year after. But that will give you the amount of resources and skills for, you know, for your teaching career. You wouldn't need to... It's not a huge commitment. It's only four days out of the entire year. But the long-term benefits of that are huge, yeah. and how it, it could impact like students. Only, sounds like not only for that teacher or two teachers, yeah, but for the whole department. Exactly. Yeah. So really, they're sending one representative that could spread those ideas between however many people are in your department. Yeah, yeah. It just gets you out of the, the bubble of your department as well. I, I think uh, it gets you having a better understanding of what schools are doing nationally and what schools are doing in your area and what they're doing to improve their maths and that's ultimately what we're all trying to do is we're trying to improve our teaching improve our schools and this is a fantastic opportunity that like Rosie said is either four half days or four twilights or four whole days um, and sometimes I think maybe sometimes five or six maximum but it gives people an opportunity to reflect on their teaching and improve it better um, yeah over a long time yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Well, thank you both very much. You've you've really uh, opened opened some eyes, I think. So, uh, 
Thanks for thanks for being interviewed, oh, and um, I wish you the best of luck with the r- remaining sessions with your work group this oh, year. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. If our three interviewees have inspired any listeners to get involved with the Challenging Topics project, the best thing you can do is to contact your local maths hub to ask about signing up. Alternatively, maths hubs are running work groups in other areas of maths teaching across all phases, from early years to post-16. Again, your local maths hub will be able to signpost you. To find out where your local maths hub is based, go to mathshubs.org.uk and look on the Find Your Maths Hub page. Finally, just a reminder that if you're enjoying our podcast, please subscribe and give us a rating. This will help other maths teachers to find us. We'd love to know what you think of the podcast too, so do let us know directly through our Twitter handle, at NCETM. Thanks for listening.